Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Airs LA. Uh, my name is Nancy Porter and it is my pleasure to share articles from Time magazine with you. I need to remind you that you're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or item read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers and no unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. I will be sharing from the August 14th, 2023 issue of Time magazine. This is from the section on the world. Headline. AI by the people for the people. This is by Billy Parijo from Karnataka, India. The workers making AI possible rarely see its rewards. One Indian startup is trying to do things differently. In the shade of a coconut palm, Chandrika tilts her smartphone screen to avoid the sun's glare. It is early morning in Alahali village in the southern Indian state of Karnataka, but the heat and the humidity are rising fast. As Chakandra Rika scrolls, she clicks on several audio clips in succession, demonstrating the simplicity of the app she recently started using. At each tap, the sound of her voice speaking her mother tongue emerges through the phone. Before she started using this app, 30-year-old Chandrika, who, like many South Indians, uses her first letter of her father's name, K, instead of a last name, had just 184 rupees, that's $2.25, in her bank account. But, in return for around six hours of work spread over several days in late April, she received 2,570 rupees, that's $31.30. That's roughly the same amount she makes in a whole month of working at a te- as a teacher at a distant school, after the cost of the three buses it takes her to get there and back. Unlike her day job, the app does not make her wait until the end of the month for payment. Money lands in her bank account in just a few hours. Just by reading text aloud in her native language of Kannada, spoken by about 60 million people, mostly in central and southern India, Chandrika has used this app to earn an hourly wage of about $5, nearly 20 times the Indian minimum. And in a few days, more money will arrive, a 50% bonus, awarded once the voice clips are validated as accurate. Chandrika's voice can fetch this sum because of the boom in artificial intelligence. Right now, cutting-edge AIs, for example, large language models like ChatGPT, work best in languages like English, where text and audio data is abundant online. They work much less well in languages like Kannada, which, even though it is spoken by millions of people, is scarce on the internet. Wikipedia has 6 million articles in English, for example, but only 30,000 in Kannada. When they function at all, AIs in these lower resource languages can be biased by assuming that doctors are men and nurses are women, for example, 
and can struggle to understand local dialects. To create an effective English-speaking AI, it is enough to simply collect data from where it has already accumulated. But for languages like Kannada, you need to go out and find more. This has created huge demand for data sets, collections of text or voice data, in languages spoken by some of the poorest people in the world. Part of that demand comes from tech companies seeking to build out AI tools. Another big chunk comes from academia and governments, especially in India, where English and Hindi have long held outsized precedence in a nation of some 1.4 billion people with 22 different official languages and at least 780 more indigenous languages. This rising demand means that hundreds of millions of Indians suddenly possess a scarce and newly valuable asset, their mother tongue. Data work, creating or refining the raw material at the heart of AI, is not new in India. The economy that did so much to turn call centers and garment factories into engines of productivity in the late 20th century has quietly been doing the same with data work in the 21st century. And, like its predecessors, the industry is once again dominated by labor arbitrage companies, which pay wages close to the legal minimum while selling data for, to foreign clients for a hefty market. The AI data sector, worth over $2 billion globally in 2022, is projected to rise to $17 billion by 2030. Little of that money has flowed down to the data workers in India, Kenya, and the Philippines. These conditions may cause harms far beyond the lives of individual workers. We're talking about systems that are impacting our whole society and workers who make those systems more reliable and less biased says Jonas Valenti, an expert in digital work platforms at Oxford University's Internet Institute. If you have workers with basic rights who are more empowered, I believe that the outcome, the technological system, will have a better quality as well. In the neighboring villages of Alahali and Chukulavedi, one Indian startup is testing a new model. Chandrika works for Karya, a nonprofit launched in 2021 in Bengaluru, formerly Bangalore, that bills itself as the world's first ethical data company. Like its competitors, it sells data to big tech companies and other clients at the market rate. But instead of keeping much of that cash as profit, it covers its costs and funnels the rest toward the rural poor in India. In addition to its $5 hourly minimum, Karya gives workers de facto ownership of the data they create on the job. So, whenever it is resold, the workers get the proceeds on top of their past wages. It's a model that doesn't exist anywhere else in the industry. The wages that exist right now are a failure of the market, Manu Chopra, the 27-year-old CEO of Karya, tells me. 
We decided to be a nonprofit because fundamentally you can't solve a market failure in the market. The work Karya is doing also means that millions of people whose languages are marginalized online could stand to gain better access to the benefits of technology, including AI. Most people in the villages don't know English, says Vinutha, a 20-year-old student who has used Karya to reduce her financial reliance on her parents. If a computer could understand Kannada, that would be very helpful. The catch, if you can call it that, is that the work is supplementary. The first thing Karya tells its workers is, this is not a permanent job, but rather a way to quickly get an income boost that will allow you to go on and do other things. The maximum a worker can earn through the app is the equivalent of $1,500, roughly the average annual income in India. After that point, they make way for somebody else. Karya says it has paid out 65 million rupees, nearly $800,000, in wages to some 30,000 rural Indians up and down the country. By 2030, Chopper wants to reach 100 million people. I genuinely feel this is the quickest way to move millions of people out of poverty if done right, says Chopra who was born into poverty himself. This is absolutely a social project. Wealth is power, and we want to redistribute wealth to the communities who have been left behind. Chopra isn't the first tech founder to rhapsodize about the potential of AI data work to benefit the world's poorest. Sama, an outsourcing company that has handled contracts for OpenAI's ChatGPT, and Meta's Facebook, also marketed itself as an ethical way for tech companies to lift people in the global south out of poverty. But, as I reported in January, many of its GPT workers in Kenya, some earning less than $2 per hour, told me they were exposed to training data that left them traumatized. The company also performed similar content moderation work for Facebook. One worker on that project told me he was fired when he campaigned for better working conditions. When asked by the BBC in 2018 about low wages, Sama's late founder argued that paying workers higher wages could disrupt local economies, causing more harm than good. Many of the data workers I've spoken to while covering this industry for the past 18 months have bristled at this logic, saying it's a convenient narrative for companies getting rich off the proceeds of their labor. There is another way, Chopra argues. The biggest lesson I have learned over the last five years is that all of this is possible he wrote in a series of tweets in response to my January article on ChatGPT. We can pay our workers 20 times the minimum wage and still be a sustainable organization. It was the first I had heard of Karya, and my immediate instinct was skepticism. Sama had begun its life as a nonprofit focused on poverty eradication only to transition later to a for-profit for business. 
Could Caria really be a model for a more inclusive and ethical AI industry? Even if it were, could it scale? One thing was clear. There could be fewer, better testing grounds for these questions than India, a country where mobile data is among the cheapest in the world and where it is common for even poor rural villagers to have access to both a smartphone and a bank account. Then there is the potential upside. Even before the pandemic, some 140 million people in India survived on under $2.15 per day, according to the World Bank. For those people, cash injections of the magnitude Chopra was talking about could be life-changing. Just 70 miles from the bustling tech metropolis of Bangaluru, past sugarcane fields and under the bright orange arcs of blossoming Gulmohar trees is the village of Chilukavada. Inside a low concrete building, the headquarters of a local farming cooperative, a dozen men and women are gathered, all of whom have started working for Kenya in the past week. Kanakara S., a skinny 21-year-old, sits cross-legged on the cool concrete floor. He is studying at a nearby college, and to pay for books and transport costs, he occasionally works as a casual laborer in the surrounding fields. A day's work there of manual labor oh, can earn him 350 rupees, around $4. But this kind of manual labor is becoming more unbearable as climate change makes summers here even more sweltering than usual. Working in a factory in a nearby city would mean a slightly higher wage, but also hours of daily commuting on unreliable and expensive buses, or worse, moving away from his support network to live in dorms in the city. At Karya, Kanakaraj can earn more in an hour than he makes in a whole day in the fields. The work is good, he says, and easy. Kanakarajas was surprised when he saw the first payment land in his bank account. We've lost a lot of money from scams, he tells me, explaining that it is common for villagers to receive SMN text preying on their desperation, offering to multiply any deposits they make by 10. When somebody first told him about Karya, he assumed it was a similar con, a common initially response, according to Chopra. With so little savings, local people often find themselves taking out loans to cover emergency costs. Predatory agencies tend to charge high interest rates on these loans, leaving some villagers here trapped in cycles of debt. Chandrika, for example, will use some of her karya wages to help her family pay off a large medical loan incurred when her 25-year-old sister fell ill with low blood pressure. Despite the medical treatment, her sister died, leaving the family responsible for both an infant and a mountain of debt. Other karya workers find themselves in similar situations. Alay Kumar, age 25, is drowning in medical debt taken out to address his mother's severe back injury. 
and Shivana, age 38, lost his hand in a firecracker accident as a boy. While he doesn't have debt, his disability means he struggles to make a living. The work these villagers are doing is part of a new project that Karya is rolling out across the state of Karnataka for an Indian healthcare NGO seeking speech data about tuberculosis, a mostly curable and preventable disease that still kills around 200,000 Indians every year. The voice recordings collected in 10 different dialects of Kannada will help train an AI speech model to understand local people's questions about tuberculosis and respond with information aimed at reducing spread of the disease. The hope is that the app, which when completed, will make it easier for illiterate people to access reliable information without shouldering the stigma that tuberculosis patients, victims of a contagious disease, often attract when they seek help in small communities. The recordings will also go up for sale on Caria's platform as part of its Kannada data set on offer to the many AI companies that care less about the contents of their training data than what it encodes about the overall structure of the language. Every time it's resold, 100% of the revenue will be distributed to the Caria workers who contributed to the data test, apportioned by the hours they put in. I think all of us have a keen recognition of the data that money is a cushion from reality, Chopra says of the Karya team. Our goal is to give that cushion to as many people as possible. Chopra knows firsthand the indignity of poverty. He was born in an informal settlement in Delhi and although his parents were well-educated and from a dominant caste, they sometimes struggled to put food on the table. Chopra excelled at the local NGO-run school and won scholarships, first to a private high school in Delhi and then to Stanford. Unlike many Silicon Valley rags-to-riches stories, Chopra's trajectory in his telling wasn't down to his own hard work. I got lucky 100 times in a row, he says. I am a product of irrational compassion from nonprofits, from schools, and from the government. After graduation, Coper returned to India and joined Microsoft Research, a subsidiary of the big tech company that encourages researchers to work on difficult social problems. With his colleague Vivek Seshadri, he set out to investigate whether it would be possible to channel money to rural Indians using digital work. In 2021, with a grant from Microsoft Research, the pair quit their jobs to spin Karya out as a nonprofit, joined by a third co-founder, Safiya Hussain. Although small, Karya already has a list of high-profile clients, including MIT, Microsoft, which holds no equity in Caria, and Stanford. In February, Caria began work on a new project for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to build voice data sets in five languages spoken by some one billion Indians, Marathi, Telugu, 
Hindi, Bengali, and Maya Yalam. The end goal is to build a chat box that can answer rural Indians' questions in their native languages and dialects about health care, agriculture, sanitation, banking, and career development. This technology, think of it as chat GPT for poverty or education, could help share crucial knowledge across vast swaths of the subcontinent. I think there should be a world where language is no longer a barrier to technology, so everyone can use technology irrespective of the language they speak, says Kalika Bali, a linguist and principal researcher at Microsoft Research, who is working with the Gates Foundation on the project and is an unpaid member of Karya's oversight board. She has specifically designed the prompts workers are given to read aloud to mitigate the gender biases that often creep into data sets and thus help to avoid the doctor and nurse problem. But it's not just about the prompts. Karya's relatively high wages percolate down to the quality of the data, Bali says it will immediately result in better accuracy of the system's output. She says she typically receives data with a less than 1% error rate from Caria, which is almost never the case with data that we build AI models with. Not everybody is eligible to work for Caria. Chopra says that initially he and his team opened the app up to anybody, only to realize the first hundred signups were all men from a dominant caste community. The experience taught him that knowledge flows through the channels of power. To reach the poorest communities and marginalized castes, genders, and religions, Chopra had to team up with nonprofits with a grassroots presence in rural areas. Those organizations can distribute access codes on Karya's behalf in line with income and diversity requirements. They know for whom that money is nice to have and for whom it is life-changing, he says. This process also ensures more diversity in the data that workers end up generating, which can help to minimize AI bias. Chopra defines this approach using a Hindi word, Theravad from Indian classical music that he translates as a mixture between pause and thoughtful impact. To him, it means at every step you are pausing and thinking, am I doing the right thing? Is this right for the community I'm trying to serve? It's a concept, he says, that is missing not only from the English language, but also from a lot of the entrepreneurial move fast and breaking things behavior that is typical of Silicon Valley tech companies. It's an approach that has led Karya to flatly reject four offers so far from prospective clients to do content moderation that would require workers to view traumatizing material. It's compelling but it's also coming from a guy who told me he wants to scale his app to reach 100 million Indians by 2030. Doesn't Karya's reliance on grassroots NGOs 
to onboard every new worker mean it faces a significant bottleneck? Actually, Chopra says, the limiting factor to Karya's expansion isn't finding new workers. There are millions who will jump at the chance to earn its high wages, and Karya has built a vetted network of more than 200 grassroots NGOs on board them. The bottleneck is the amount of available work. What we need is large-scale awareness that most data companies are unethical, he says, and that there is an ethical way. For the app to have the impact Chopra believes it can, he needs to win more clients to persuade more tech companies, governments, and academic institutions to get their AI training data from Caria. But it's often in the pursuit of new clients that even companies that pride themselves on ethics can end up compromising. What's to stop Caria from doing the same thing? Part of the answer, Chopra says, lies in Caria's corporate structure. Caria is registered as a nonprofit in the United States that controls two entities in India, one nonprofit and one for-profit. The for-profit is legally bound to donate any profit it makes after reimbursing its workers to the nonprofit which then reinvests them. The convoluted structure, Coprich says, is because Indian law prevents nonprofits from making any more than 20% of their income from the market, as opposed to philanthropic donations. Caria does take grant funding. Crucially, it covers the salaries of all 24 of its full-time employees, but not enough to make an entirely nonprofit model possible. The arrangement, Chopra says, has the benefit of removing any incentive for Caria's co-founders to compromise on worker wages or well-being to return in return for lucrative contracts. It's a model that works for the moment, but could collapse in philanthropic funding dries up. Caria is very young, and they have a lot of good traction, said Subsashri Dutta a managing partner at the Nudge Institute, an incubator that has supported Caria with a $20,000 grant. They have put the ability to stay true to their values and still attract capital. But I don't think they have been significantly exposed to the dilemmas of taking the for-profit or the not-for-profit stance. Over the course of two days with Karya workers in southern Karnataka, the limitations of Karya's current system begin to come into focus. Each worker says they have completed 1,287 tasks on the app, the maximum at the point of my visit, of the number of tasks available on the tuberculosis project. It equates to about six hours of work. The money workers can receive, just under $50 after bonuses for accuracy, is a welcome boost, but it won't last long. 
On my trip, I don't meet any workers who have received royalties. Chopra tells me that Caria has only just amassed enough resellable data to be attractive to buyers. It has so far distributed $116,000 in royalties to around 4,000 workers. But the ones I've met are too early into their work to be among them. I put to Chopra that it will still take much more to have a meaningful impact on these villagers' lives. The tuberculosis project is only the beginning for these workers, he replies. They are lined up to shortly begin work on a transcription project, part of a push by the Indian government to build AI models in several regional languages, including Kannada. The project, he says, will allow Karya to give significantly more work to the villagers in Shilukavada. Still, the workers are a long way from the $1,500 that would mark their graduation from Karya's system. Eventually, Chopra acknowledges that not a single one of Karya's 30,000 workers has reached the $1,500 threshold. Yet, their enjoyment of the work and their desire for more is clear. When Vivek Sheshadi, Karya's chief technology officer, asks the room full of workers whether they would feel capable of a new task flagging inaccuracies in Kannada's sentences, they erupt in excited chatter, which meant a unanimous yes. The villagers I spoke to in Chulakavadi and Alhali have only a limited understanding of artificial intelligence. Chopra says this can be a challenge when explaining to workers what they are doing. The most successful approach his team found is telling workers that they are teaching the computer to speak Kannada, he says. Nobody here knows about ChatGPT, but villagers do know that Google Assistants, which they refer to as OK Google, works better when you prompt it in English than in their mother tongue. Sataraju, a 35-year-old unemployed father of three, says he doesn't know what AI is, but would feel proud if a computer could speak his language. The same respect I have for my parents, I have for my mother tongue. Just as India was able to leapfrog the rest of the world on 4G because it was unencumbered by existing mobile data infrastructure, the hope is that efforts like the ones Karya in enabling will help Indian language AI projects learn from the mistakes of AI, English AIs and begin to form a far more reliable and unbiased starting point. Until not so long ago, a speech recognition engine for English would not even understand my English, says Bali, the speech researchers, referring to her accent. What is the point of AI technologies being out there if they do not cater to the users they are targeting? And that concludes that article from the world of technology.
That will conclude our podcast for today from the August 14th issue of Time Magazine. And again, I need to remind you that you have been listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright problem of the original authors and publishers, and no unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Again, my name is Nancy Porter, and it has been my pleasure to share Time Magazine with you.